Welcome to Dawn's Own, the Deeper Sense podcast. I'm Shahar Peled, your host and guide to the context of everything and the fundamental questions of being, knowledge, and reality. Welcome to Believing the Real, a series of talks on the theology of the real. In this episode, the third in the series, we will discuss the rise of the social among mammals and then the theology of the spirit among primates. Hello, another uh, episode of Believing the Real. Um, uh, talks uh, discussing evolutionary progress, <coughs> but in fact uh, discussing a theology of the real that views reality itself as the uh, manifestation, as a revelation, a creative revelation of the divine. Our model uh, was... Uh, to view uh, reality as progressing towards perfection. Uh, Let me uh, um, give you a description of this model. Here it is. We have progress and perfection. Uh, The ideal, that's our conjectures about reality, and the real, that's the refutations. And through the refutations, through the real, we are progressing, reality is progressing uh, to some uh, infinite uh, perfection that is posited as the very core of reality. And um, these theories of uh, talks uh, discuss the implications of this meta-theory, if you will, or, if you will, or I call it the evil trust overlay, because it overlays all uh, interpretations of reality and provides a perspective through which we can view uh, both science and religion, both our own lives, modernity, post-modernity, pre-modernity, a complete uh, vision of history um, that provides us with perspective of how we can uh, develop our own lives, make our own lives better. So, uh, my last uh, talk um, was devoted uh, to evolutionary progress, and uh, I showed you how uh, evolution develops uh, not through the survival of the fittest, or let's say the survival of the fittest uh, is uh, just one aspect of what we can see in evolution, And of course, we have to uh, redefine what fitness means. What does it mean, survival of the fittest, when we see the trend of evolution? So uh, fitness is defined differentially uh, according to what is happening at each state of evolution. Uh, For example, um, we began speaking about first about the appearance of life at the level of uh, prokaryotes and then uh, eukaryotes, single cellular organism uh, that 
developed at the beginning of life on earth most most of the time that there is life on earth it's the life of these single cells uh it's like 1400 million years of existence before uh multicellular organisms uh appeared i.e plants uh animals uh, everything we know uh that is multicellular most of life on earth uh, began just 600 million years ago out of uh, an evolutionary time scale of 14.2 uh, billion years for all of uh, reality. So, um, so in fact, uh, we are at the very uh, last, or if we look back, we are at a very late uh, place in uh, evolution. Uh, of course, <laughs> this is the place. There is no scale stretching beyond. We can only look back because this future is shrouded in mist. Uh, but I think uh, when we look back, we can uh, find all kinds of extrapolations. And this will be, a, uh, in fact, the main theory, the main um, ideal that we will try to uh, extract, the main conjecture that we will try to extract from uh, our extrapolation of reality is to see what went before and to see and uh, to try to think how we can extrapolate this for the future and what implications this may have for our own uh, reality. So when uh, we looked at various stages of life, uh, we saw that different things developed so that uh, fitness would have a different uh, definition uh, in each uh, part of reality, in each stage of the development of the real. So this outmoded uh, view, or let's say this view of uh, fitness, uh, the Spencerian point of view, uh, with all its connotations of uh, might makes right, and uh, survival nature red in tooth and claw uh, must be uh, reformulated for it is now completely outmoded when we really look into what's happening within evolution. We will see it's not survival of the fittest, more likely it's survival of the sweetest, but <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, in, this, in this talk, we will focus uh, uh, on human evolution and we will see how in human evolution, Fitness is not uh, might makes right, but something completely other. Other. Um, in any case, even if we look at the stages of evolution before uh, humanity appeared on the scene, we see that different stages of evolution have different types of fitness, of makes or what makes the organism um, appropriate or suitable for its uh, tasks, which is, it's not really, it's all, it's all merged into one, because the tasks of each individual creature are its life, are its expression, are its manifestation, and ultimately the manifestation of uh, divine progress, divine progression. Uh, and, we was, and we saw that there is a trend that comes from first predation, eating others, then procreation, finding others as mates, and ultimately parenting, 
directing attention to others uh, from a point of view of care and uh, sustainment and nurturing and protection. So we see that the uh, attitude towards the other uh, and the whole formation of self and other, uh, beginning from the very first uh, single cellular organism that had uh, to maintain a difference between itself and uh, the external environment. So there is the self and the other from the outside, from the outset. And then this self uh, began looking for others to devour. So the relationship between self and other is, as I said, uh, a fisherman likes fish or loves fish. So it's like devour devouring the other. And then uh, we find the rise of sexuality, uh, the rise of sexual procreation. Uh, and this is a, a very important stage in the development of evolution. And then the other is uh, one's mate. And again, there is different kinds of fitnesses for that stage. And then the next stage from which we begin this talk is that of uh, the appearance of parenting. Uh, we see that it sort of uh, flickers in and out. It develops um, uh, in various um, ways in different niches within evolution, uh, more or less ultimately within reptilia, uh, about 25% of reptiles uh, exhibit some form of uh, parental care, uh, and our turtle here is uh, a case in point, uh, as turtles uh, bury their young in, uh, in, in warm sand so they may be protected, so you see the vestiges of parental care, and then this erupts into amazing development in uh, birds, fowl of all sorts, and uh, mammals, which have two distinct, uh, distinctly different strategies of uh, parenting, of sustaining the young, of caring for the young, and uh, these strategies are uh, develop a new uh, vision of fitness uh, because it is the caring parent, the one capable of uh, putting aside uh, its own uh, desires, urges, uh, need to sustain itself in favor of sustaining the young, of giving the other, uh, that becomes a greater fitness. So the red in tooth and nail and so on, claw, it may be relegated to the very... Uh, essential stages of predation that, of course, uh, accompany us even to this day. All levels of evolution, as I said before, are incorporated within the next levels. But this is a very, very primitive or, or um, um, pr preliminary, primary uh, stage of evolution, just like molecular structure is. <laughs> all of evolution is the evolution of molecular structure. But it's a different level, something new appears, even though all the old structures are there. Are there. So we continue to eat others, uh, whether animal bodies or plant bodies. Plants are also multicellular organisms. Although, uh, um, and, and we see that this is still part of our uh, uh, 
um, of our own situation. And also, of course, sexuality, even though it began like a few hundred million years ago, uh, it's still very strong uh, with us. And of, and of course, parenting is obviously still with us. Uh, and it's all one stage uh, above the other and each stage incorporating the previous stages. So when we get to parenting, uh, indeed, we have a this, uh, this uh, appearance of care in the world. And, and again, um, all the all the dichotomies between instinct and and thought and uh, uh, soul and soulless and 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 soulful uh, between animal and man, all these distinctions break down when we look at, uh, at the evolutionary uh, point of view and when we realize that what we see here is a progression of increasing. Uh, gentleness, increasing sublim sublimity, uh, the divine begins to appear uh, with this uh, relation to the other that we find within evolution itself. So when we look at it, then we see that it is uh, becoming more and more uh, directed to, to, uh, to the other in a different way, in a, in a more uh, now that we now we know uh, from parenting that this is a more gentle way, a more uh, self-sacrificing, uh, a more caring for others, and what of the self? And what of the the self? Okay, the self is not lost. We will see how um, this is uh, um, the very inside of the push of human evolution. Uh, um, is in fact part of the general thrust where individuals still maintain all their functions. We saw it in the cellular and the, the multicellular level that each cell is in fact a single-celled organism acting in tandem in cooperation with other single-celled organisms to create the creature or the, the animal or, or the person and the and, uh, they all work together uh, in, in a differentiated way to create the, the larger organism. And this larger organism now takes care, when parenting appears, takes care of uh, the next generation, of, the, of another uh, organism uh, that has all the elements of uh, itself, but it's young, it's small, and needs care and fostering until it uh, grows into its adult form, which will then again foster the young. You will notice that this image is not uh, contradictory to the selfish gene of uh, the idea that the genes make us, but it does contradict the idea of randomality, because if everything was random, then uh, why would genes spend so much effort in creating something so um, so not egoistic, not egotistic, this turn to others, this care of others. And many, many uh, ideas have been proposed by evolutionists uh, to explain it, uh, especially when we look at, um, at uh, the insect uh, insect colonies where we see all those uh, workers, the employee bees working to sustain the next generation uh, without uh, even procreating. So this is like uh, the great uh, mystery 
and, uh, and they, they make all kinds of calculations of how close a kin you are. But uh, we will see that this is one stage, uh, this kin, kin relationships uh, or kin's, kin selection is one stage of this general picture um, of uh, uh, how the world develops and especially when we reach our generation and humans uh, where, where we are now. Where are we at now? In any case, let's look for a moment at human beings uh, in this juncture that we left off in the last uh, talk about uh, parenting. So if the birds uh, developed a strategy of laying eggs outside the body of the, um, of the mother, and these eggs uh, um, host the chicks for some time, and then when the chick comes out, it's still very, very, um, um, very weak, very undeveloped, and needs a lot of work by the parents, and a lot of protection by the, the parents, to grow into its full-grown shape or form. The mammals, and we have, of course, we have the duckable platypus to, to see this, how this, uh, this diverged, how evolution tried both uh, strategies at one and the same time and ultimately uh, uh, diverged into two separate uh, lines. Uh, we have uh, all the marsupials, in fact, have this, you know, like... Uh, the pocket, which is almost a womb, uh, and the, the, the joey that is uh, born and then held in the pocket. So it's like birth, but, but outside, and the duckable platypus that has an egg, and then it, 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 it suckles. So we see that there was like a, it's like a flickering uh, of evolution, trying this, trying that, but the, the progress is there. The push inside is there. All these attempts are there. And ultimately, there's a lot of freedom of experimentation. This randomality within reality allows forms to develop and, and uh, they are freed to um, follow their destiny, as it were. And we see all kinds of forms developing. Some of them become extinct, but most of them are not, uh, do not become extinct, but transformed. Uh, as I said before, uh, dinosaurs uh, may be thought of as extinct, but actually, if you go into to Wikipedia, you'll see that the, the birds are in fact considered uh, within the clade of dinosaurs. So it's like, where are the dinosaurs? They've become birds. There's transformations. But indeed, some forms have become extinct. Uh, the uh, Trinosaurus rex uh, is not with us any, any longer, but, though we find his uh, ancient bones in the ground. So, um, this was one strategy. The other strategy of parenting is the mammalian strategy, as we know, and this became a, a double strategy of um, uh, keeping the offspring within the mother's womb until it is completely or almost completely uh, ready to exist independently. There's no rushing about like the birds feeding the chick. Uh, the foal or the calf, once it, once it comes out, it immediately stands on its own two feet and, uh, and it can uh, uh, suckle from the mother, so it's independent. But there's an accompanying strategy here, which became uh, the different differentiation within mammalian societies uh, of 
males and females in a very strong way, uh, with the males protecting the females and the females protecting the young. It's like became uh, like a uh, layer upon layer. And this is the beginning uh, of society. And this is, uh, we see how it rises out of evolution, how social development rises out of evolution uh, as an increasing uh, sophistication of uh, this search, as it were, uh, um, for greater, I, uh, we don't, we know not what yet, we can only see what happened. So this search for uh, parenting led to uh, better parenting, as it were, led to the formation of societies. And we see the first, the first rudiments of social differentiation. Um, and this becomes more and more prominent among mammals, uh, leading ultimately to the apes, the great apes, all the primates. And the primates are very have very advanced uh, social relationships. There's already a society and the individual now has to find its place within a whole hierarchy. It's not just mother and child, um, and not just the bird and its chick. It's now a whole society that has to function together, and its functioning together uh, gives rise to different kind of fitnesses, different kind of adaptations. In society, it is not uh, just might makes right. Because in a society, um, there can be uh, coalitions, one against the other, uh, three uh, individuals can defeat one, uh, there's a hierarchy, and all this um, emerges from a, 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 a trend that we can look at. It's an arrow, it's a, di it's a directionality of progress that it becomes very clear when we look back. So uh, let's look a little bit at, at the human. So as we said, the human, uh, human parenting style, uh, first on the biological level, it combines the solution of the mammals and the solution of the birds. It is obvious that humanity is a new rung in evolution. It is something new appearing on the world stage. Uh, and this new uh, instigates many, many changes uh, in everything that went before. Everything continues to exist, but different. Um, beginning from, uh, from predation, something becomes very different here. It's not just one individual predat uh, predator against the other, but it becomes a social enterprise. And we know from hunter-gatherers that uh, it's mostly the women who... Uh, uh, collect tubers and vegetation and so on, most of the nutrition, and the men, they have the hunt, and they go and hunt and bring meat about once a month, and they're also in charge of other things, uh, cultural uh, developments, we'll get into that, uh, into the whole issue of gender, uh, will be another talk, maybe even a series of talks, but that's not the issue at the, at the moment. Uh, the issue at the moment is the social differentiation that... Uh, gives rise to new ways of doing the old stuff, which is the very point of evolution. We have, like progress, uh, a new way of doing an old thing, and that gives rise to a completely different formation, a completely different thing. 
So predation changes because now uh, individuals can hunt together. We see this in primates already. Um, uh, procreation becomes also uh, um, entrenched within social structure. We have the alpha male who uh, procreates with all the females. Alpha males fight between themselves, or all males fight between themselves. There is a, a tendency uh, for the most, the strongest, and here we have all the human males who studied evolution were very happy. Uh, this is this is uh, something very nice. Elaine Morgan, who wrote about the aquatic ape, a uh, very interesting book, uh, book series of books. I'll be talking about her in future. But she says uh, you can see this uh, a bespectacled um, uh, accountant reading about the naked ape, the wild and strong uh, naked ape, who uh, the alpha male and so on. Uh, and this is. Uh, she sort of ridicules it because she says, "Look, this is not how it's go this is not what's really happening." And indeed, she's right because this is not what's really happening. What what happens is that from the evolutionary point of view, uh, within mammalia, mammalia, there is indeed dimorphism between the male and the female. The males become much bigger and stronger, and they mainly because they fight each other, and and this. Ultimate alpha male will impregnate all the females or most of them, and uh, uh, therefore the next generation will be have the same tendencies of strength and so on. This is classic Darwinism, but when we get to uh, primates, we see a different picture. And uh, Peter Deval, I think he's called. Uh, I, I look him. Uh, he wrote many books about chimpanzees uh, and. Um, Amazing stuff, and he wrote Chimpanzee Politics, a wonderful book, and uh, he shows how in chimpanzee societies, uh, even this alpha male thing breaks down. There are alpha chimpanzees, but they have all kinds of usurpers, and sometimes these usurpers can also have an impact on the gene pool because young chimps... Uh, uh, male and female tend to uh, enjoy each other's company and procreate uh, surreptitiously, uh, uh, as it were. And in fact, uh, we see that both procreation and predation already in primate societies become subject to the social. And when we get to the level, uh, the main level, the main uh, innovation uh, of recent evolution parenting, we see that it takes uh, another dimension within, uh, let's say, chimpanzee societies where the females and the males uh, all share uh, uh, some of the care of the young, or at least, if not share, at least uh, there is a social hierarchy uh, where the young is the core. The younger the core, the females surrounding them, and the males associated with the females. In fact, it is more of a matriarchy, it turns out, uh, in chimpanzee societies. But um, but this this will become uh, this uh, this again. This is to do with gender, and, and I'll get to it. Uh, but just touching on it, the male in in mammalia, the male is usually um, more free to and more expendable uh, to. Um, do things in the periphery, uh, as it were. And this gave rise to uh, the predominance of males in the development of human civilization uh, because they had more free time. 
they were less um, bound by the biological uh, to certain roles. They could break free of the role. They needed more dogma to keep them in place. So this is also a development, and we will see how modernity bro breaks this, because uh, the biology itself is now breaking apart. And, apart, and, and because of this, it makes uh, there's room for new, uh, for a new vista to uh, that we are just beginning to see that is uh, spreading out before us, where where gender no longer uh, plays a role uh, or plays a minor role, <coughs> just as the older levels, gender is not gone. Biology has not left us. There are differences in males and females, but these differences are not. Uh, uh, as we say, biology is not destiny. Human beings uh, are at a new level today uh, that transcends everything that we find in primate uh, societies. But we are currently talking about primate societies and what we can learn from uh, the evolution of any animalia even before we get to uh, human beings or before we get to actually to our current state of civilization, which is, uh, of course, the main uh, point of interest here. So we see that as we look back on evolution, on evolutionary progress, we see that there is a, a, a trend uh, of increasing differentiation, of uh, increasing... Uh, um, how shall we say it, uh, um, benevolent attitude towards others. They become uh, not just objects of predation, but uh, slowly uh, procreation and then parenting and then social structure with its uh, increasing differentiation. But before we continue, probably in the next talk, uh, to human society per se uh, and its development, the evolution of human society, the evolution of the human, human biological evolution and human um, uh, cultural evolution and ultimately civilization and ultimately on top of civilization, modernity, uh, which uh, as we will see more or less uh, the new era, our era, which begins uh, after the Second World War, with the great transformations after that, uh, most of the modern world uh, was created, uh, the, great, uh, <laughs> the greatest innovations after the World War. But that's another thing uh, that we will discuss much uh, later on. But before we look at all that, uh, we have to um, go back and look at the theology of all this. Uh, let me uh, place a nice uh, theological um, background here. Here we are. So, uh, believing the real, uh, between uh, the ideal and the real, uh, progress and perfection. So, uh, there's, there's an ideal, uh, a theory of reality and reality. What we spoke about in evolution now uh, is the aspect of reality revealed through what we know of evolution. This is the form of the real, this evolution. That's the way it works. But an issue here arises of a conflict, uh, if you will, a refutation, 
uh, of one of the greatest uh, ideals uh, of um, the great religions, something that transcends or crosses most of uh, the boundaries of religions, uh, both Hindic, Buddhist, uh, monotheistic, and, um, and even most uh, religions uh, that are uh, neither, like uh, uh, cannibal metaphysics, they also have this. So what is this this? It is the distinction, the separation of the world and its spirit. The world uh, as manifested to us, the real as it were, and our idea of what lies behind uh the manifestations, and this is, of course, the main argument here of the theology. Let me put uh, on a theological um, uh, background. Here we are, theology of the real. So, one thing that all religions have in common is their treatment of the ego, the spirit, the mind of uh, human beings as distinct from their physical uh, body, from the physical bodies they wear uh, in their in reality, in the real. So, if we have uh, in Hindic religions, we have the idea of uh, reincarnation. What reincarnates? This soul, this spirit, moves from one uh, one generation to another from one form to another. Uh, um, the Hindic systems are, clo are closed systems. Your spirit or the spirit can move from, uh, say, a level of animals. If you've been uh, behaving badly, your karma will push you down the, the ladder. And if uh, you behave very well, uh, you will go up. You will be born either as a human or even as a demigod or even as a god. Uh, but it's a closed system where the soul jumps uh, from um, one generation to the next, suffering its appearance within the real. Uh, in the monotheistic religions, uh, we have the creation, the story of creation. God made the world, made the real, and uh, made man in his image, and uh, he um, uh, put his spirit into man. Man uh, incorporates uh, the divine spirit and this animates him. Um, now, um, this has led to um, very uh, strong distinction, uh, especially in, in the West, uh, between uh, the body or the real and the machine uh, which is perceived of as the machine, and, and science has been relegated to uh, in, inquiring about the machine, the mechanics of reality, the mechanics of the body, while religion has been relegated to the fostering of the soul, uh, it's, um, uh, the way it should be treated, the way it should work, and of course, uh, uh, what will happen to it in the afterlife, if you behave well, you may get uh, a better place in the next world, 
according to one aspect or one uh, method, another method, more like a Protestant, is it doesn't really matter what you're doing. Uh, ultimately, um, your soul will be either saved or damned in the next world. And of course, it does matter what you do. Everything goes back to reality, and we'll go, go into greater depth um, about the actual workings of, of these uh, theologies um, at some later date, but at this point, uh, a, conf a conflict is, is, is set up here with our evolutionary point of view. Because if the, our idea is either that the soul jumps from one solid state to another, like in the Hindic religions, or that the soul has been imbued within uh, matter by divine uh, intervention, then this creates, sets up a conflict with uh, evolution, with uh, the progress within the animal world, and uh, to the point of uh, the appearance of man. And it, it creates a very strong uh, distinction between man and uh, the evolution of, of other creatures, of the, of the whole world. It sets man apart from creation actually rips him out of creation and puts him on some pedestal uh, outside um, the unity of that we saw in everything. So, and this also led to some very weird ideas about animals as machines, uh, Malambranche, uh, Pas uh, not Pascal, uh, the other one, Descartes, they talked about the human body and the, the animals as having no souls, uh, because only humans have souls and animals as machines. And they did some very nasty experimentation uh, with animals, disregarding animal suffering as instinct and so on. And this issue is still, uh, is still under contention uh, in our civilization. But the idea is that uh, it's like a, an outside dogma about the soul that most religions have. And now, if we look from an evolutionary point of view, we see that there is a development soul-wise, as it were. Uh, as I kept emphasizing, we have increasing gentleness. So what is it in the animal that uh, is capable of predation and then procreation and then parenting? Uh, does a, a bird uh, feeding its young uh, have no soul? Okay, so what is this soul? So how can we describe this caring behavior as uh, instinctual? Why is this dichotomy created? And especially if you look at it, you will see that soul-wise, or, or let's put the word soul, which is so uh, laden with uh, past dogma aside, let's talk about consciousness. Let's talk about awareness. Let's talk about self-awareness. So when we look at the animal world, we see also that there is a, a, that the same evolutionary scale that we find in morphology, in the fossil remains, and that we find in genetics, uh, in, in, our, in our genetic knowledge of how uh, the animal world and us are all built, all constructed, we see also that there is a scale, it's the same ladder here, uh, the, that connects uh, various animal forms. So let's just, as a, uh, just as a parable, 
or just uh, in order to make it um, uh, more uh, tangibly graspable, let's think of pets. Uh, if you've ke kept pets, let's say you had a hamster, uh, a rabbit, a cat, a dog, and maybe, maybe someone had a monkey. So now compare your pets, your various pets, also maybe a parrot, let's not put the fowls outside, uh, uh, like uh, one of those uh, jacko, jackos they're called, or, uh, or a cockatoo, one of the advanced parrots, and put all these birds, try to organize them on a scale soul-wise, or awareness-wise, spirit-wise. Are they of the same spirit? Can we compare a bunny to a cat? Can we compare a cat to a dog? Can we compare a dog to a monkey? If you would arrange them, for me, it's very easy to arrange them. I would put the hamster at the bottom. No, no, uh, no, I would put the bunny at the bottom. Sorry, bunnies. Then I would give hamsters or even gerbils. They could be more intelligent because they're very active and they look around their environment and they are really uh, proactive. Uh, at least the, ra the, the, the rats or, or gerbils that I raised were so. Uh, the bunnies tended to just sit and wait for their lunch. I don't want to denigrate bunnies. Bunnies are a great favorite of mine. Uh, uh, even in my logo, I use bun a bunny because bunnies uh, can be brought to action. We had some bunnies that we uh, raised more or, less, uh, more or less in a cat-like environment and we let them out and, we, and they, they would jump from one place to the next and... Uh, um, but they cannot be actually, uh, they cannot have advanced training, just more or less like Pavlovian training. So a bunny is, let's face it, and I really, really hope I'm not insulting any bunnies, they're pretty dumb. And gerbils are much more uh, inquisitive and energetic and proactive. Uh, they don't just sit there waiting for your lettuce. But let's go another rung. Let's go to cats. What about cats? Oh, cats are very uh, advanced creatures soul-wise. Anyone who had a cat, they have a mind of their own. Each one has his own personality. Some like you, some don't. Some like to be caressed. Some just are standoffish. Some are... Um, you can never get them to do what you want. Some come to cuddle all the time. They purr and then they're off and they're back and they go. And you can see that they have awareness, mind of their own. If we go another round to dogs, already social animals, because the animals before, yeah, okay, bunnies and, and rats are also social animals uh, in a way, uh, to some extent. So, uh, but, but dogs, okay, that they have a hierarchy and as dogs are really communicative, you know, that anyone who had a dog cannot in good conscience say they have no soul because dogs are so soulful. They look at you, they, they, they care for you, they pine for you. They are so uh, close to humans in many of their interactions. You can see the awareness, you can see the, the creature there. So now we are saying sentient, sentient or not sentient. But also these distinctions, because sentience is the awareness of one's awareness. This is really something that we find 
It's mainly in human beings, but we will see in a moment, it is found in primates. Are dogs sentient? Are dogs aware of their own awareness? I doubt it. But the awareness of the dogs, this non-sentience, does not mean that they are not um, full of spirit, full of consciousness, full of awareness. In many ways, we can see that dogs are uh, non-sentient in the way that we are non-sentient in certain aspects of our uh, consciousness. Those moments of, uh, say, dreaming or, or, uh, or um, I don't know, maybe drug-induced or, or when you're half-dozing, that you lose your uh, awareness of, of awareness. You're saint, you're, but you are still aware. You are still conscious. But it's not... The, maybe as, a, as children, we were more um, prone to that. Maybe a child before it becomes self-aware, uh, self-conscious, as we say, uh, does have a consciousness. It learns, it speaks, it talks, it jumps. It, the language, the English language has it. It calls a child an it. Um, other languages don't give uh, a child this place of being an it. But when the child is an it, then can it be compared in consciousness to a dog? Or better still, let's go up the rungs and look at primates. We know that chimpanzees and gorillas have been taught, I think orangutans too, have been taught even human language. Uh, and um, uh, they certainly uh, behave uh, in ways that remind us of a very, very young children. Although it's very different with, it's not, you really can't compare because human beings are really another uh, leap of evolution. But this leap is not the grand barrier between soul and matter. It is not the grand barrier that is assumed by most religious dogma that will have an empty husk into which the soul is injected. Because, although, indeed, there is this, because animals too can die. And what happens to the life of the animal when it dies? What happens to its spirit when it goes away? So, indeed, uh, we can see that animals too uh, have an animate and inanimate, okay? Inanimate. Indeed, the word inanimate goes to describe without soul, inanima. So what is inanimate? Just rocks and stones. And they are also very animated, we, we know, on a quantum level. But at least what we talk about anim, anima, we talk about the soul. This is the word for soul, anima. So animals have a soul. And that soul is developing. And we see when we get to primates that already we have many distinctions that uh, um, distinguish humanity in the primate world. And for this, you know, chimpanzee politics, it's, uh, I, I believe this, and, and he has other books, uh, the Val, uh, amazing books about animals and the way they uh, socialize. And they are capable uh, indeed of something that is very, very akin 
to self-awareness. You can see that they are self-aware, especially when they are trying to trick other animals, uh, when they are shamming, when they are uh, playing all kinds of tricks. And this can be found uh, both in uh, primates and also in some very advanced birds like cockatoos, um, maybe in octopi, I don't know. But the intelligence obviously increases as we go up the evolutionary ladder and uh, uh, creatures become more soulful. So if we see that this develops and we see that it is not a quantum leap between, uh, uh, between humanity and the primates, it is rather a quantum leap achieved through maintaining or um, or um, using as a fulcrum maybe, or using as a springboard, the previous uh, level of evolution. In fact, it's what we saw throughout, because as we saw, saw single cellular organisms become organized in multicellular uh, organisms, which then organize themselves in groups. And these groups become gr uh, larger and more differentiated. So if you will, the leap from uh, mammalhood or mammalian, the mammalian kingdom into the human kingdom is that leap of, uh, of further differentiation, of taking the next step uh, in social development. So in fact, we see a transition, if you will, from biological evolution to uh, cultural evolution or social evolution. And indeed, humans have indubitably involved in a social environment. So, because when we look at primates, we see the very basis uh, for uh, what later became uh, the advanced and complex societies that uh, we know um, um, as human societies. But this is not a quantum leap in the sense that there was uh, first there was flesh and then the soul was put into it. We see a development of the soul. We see a development of uh, the spirit. And indeed, this is very easy to perceive in the human, humans as we grow, because when we are born, we already are alive and have all the potential. But as we become more uh, human, as we, we, we develop, we progress, into our humanity, we become uh, more soulful, more self-aware. We can expand our self-awareness. We can become more aware. There are now consciousness-raising groups. We can raise our consciousness. Uh, it, it truly depends on learning, on social learning, on our association with, with the learning of others. Uh, more of that, a lot more of that, when we really uh, delve deeper into human civilization. But the important thing is here, that we have a contradiction here. We have a conflict between our dogma, our theology, uh, our perception of uh, the real through the eyes of our ideals, uh, i.e. humans, they have a soul, they are different from all other creatures, and what we see about how the real actually develops and how indeed 
the spirit arises throughout the cosmos, throughout the world. And we are part of the animal kingdom. We are one with it. And we are like the representatives, if you will, the priests of the animal kingdom. We are those most uh, uh, developed in our awareness, consciousness, self-awareness, and so on. Now, uh, evil trust explains this uh, within the context of the uh, progress and perfection. So let me switch here. The Okay, yeah, here we are. Progress and perfection. So how uh, does evil trust explain this? It is not that the soul of human beings is not divine. It is divine, indeed. It is divine in the same way as the spirit of the world is divine. It arises from within what we know as the material world, which from the outside, from the outset, is not ruptured from spirit. It is not divine and material, uh, distinct from each other. But as we said, everything material is in fact the divine uh, becoming a place that can grow and progress. Uh, it is the ancient Kabbalistic uh, vision of uh, the perfect perfection, the ultimate divine, making a place within itself for the ultimate uh, uh, situation in which progress can occur, in which the spirit can arise from um, a, low, a lower place, from a less progressed, uh, younger, less developed state to a greater or higher state. So once we uh, realize this, then we understand that all the, the very trend, the very uh, essence of the world is this manifestation of spirit in increased, uh, very gradual uh, awareness. The cosmos is becoming aware. The real incorporates the ideal because the real is the ideal made manifest. But this manifestation is not uh, a one-time thing. It is not static. It is not either or, but gradual, developing, progressing, slowly, awareness comes into the world. And uh, we see this as increasing uh, the way that perfection comes into the world, but it does not come. It grows from within. It glows from within. So, in fact, our vision uh, of reality, the evotrust vision of reality, sees both the evolution of spirit within the real, within actual concrete reality, and the wonder of its self-awareness when we reach this uh, amazing place that we are now, where as human beings we are faced with making uh, um, amazing decisions, both about our own fate and the fate of the animal kingdom, because everything depends now on humanity. And this uh, dependence on humanity hinges uh, on our ability to find this um, uh, uh, middle ground. No, middle ground is a bad word. 
this uh, synthesis, if you wish, uh, this um, uh, understanding, okay, let's have this new theory or, or the deeper understanding, this more comprehensive theoretical understanding of our standing vis-a-vis -vis, uh, both the real and the ideal, where we are in the world of this conjecture, the world of conjectures, which makes up the fabric of our civilization, all this belief, and we will get into it in future, and the, our meeting with the real that um, uh, um, causes change, that is the, the very core of evolution. And we are obviously at an evolutionary uh, crossroads uh, in this day and age, uh, where all the previous forms are disintegrating, uh, including the very biological, uh, genetic, uh, gender, um, everything that we knew about uh, the way we behaved as humans, and uh, which was very uh, close, the way we came up from uh, primatehood, as it were, is now subject to both contention and change, transformation, and um, it is here that this vision of uh, evil trust uh, can be used to overlay what is happening to us and to see that there is a divine um, trend within evolution. And this divine trend is within us as well, calling on us to become more perfect, to become better persons, better human beings, uh, better friends, better parents, um, better everything, including uh, better artists, better virtuosos, better uh, athletes. In short, uh, it allows us to, to uh, merge or, or heal this rupture that occurred in our previous visions of reality and once more um, see that we can be both open to the real and its refutations and open to the ideal within the real when we see the way that the real progresses. And um, yes, that completes our introduction, in fact, to uh, uh, believing the real, uh, the way evolution behaves. And uh, uh, the next uh, talks, we will start speaking about human civilization and uh, the shift, in fact, within human civilization, what we know of history and what we are, where we are now, uh, where we are um, in this day and age, the Google age, uh, the age of, um, yeah, the virtual, the age of virtual reality. <laughs> so, uh, and uh, which is really real. So actually it's like, it's not virtual reality. It's virtual reality within the real. It is part of the real now. You are invited to join me in further episodes of Dawn's On for insights, epiphanies, and the sheer joy of understanding.